Wait, did you hear? <gasps> no. We're diving into the juiciest celebrity profiles of all time. I'm Beatrice Hazelhurst. And I'm Ivana Ryder. This, this is Uncover Girl. again you silly little goose i know okay she's really she's angry at me today. yeah the mic is fighting me at every your mic turn. is okay. rocking and rolling there we are here we are you know what i'm gonna shut my computer i'm just <gasps> here to talk you're off book i'm off book wow we're chit-chatting now oh i love to hear it how's the week been oh i don't even i'm not gonna ask you that question no it's been wonderful I've had a wonderful week. Okay. Yeah. No, I, I mean, honestly. You came to an enormous decision. Yeah. Which is that you're leaving us. I'm leaving town for a couple months. Yes. I'm following Steven to Chicago where he's just found work for a couple months. I know, but never fear I goes. We will. Oh, we're keeping it going. We're keeping it going. And we honestly, will continue. I'm excited to see how the dynamic will, because it's going to be such a beautiful way for us to catch up every week. I know. We'll have so much we, to bring to the table. That's what I mean. We see each other so often. Yeah. That sometimes we get to the recording and we're like, we oh, already did what, this. Yeah. What do we have to say? Yeah. There's nothing left. We're pulling things out of nowhere here. It'll be, well, we'll be talking all the time outside of this, but it'll be like face to face an hour together every week where we just get to debrief. Yeah, very fresh content, hot and fresh. Yeah, yeah. No, I felt very lucky this week in that I had my sweet little cousin in town and one of our best friends came and is going to be staying with us for the next month. And I've just felt really like held sweetly by the people that I love. So what more can you ask for? No, I think this was a moment you were reaching a crossroads and it was time for people to rally and it kind of couldn't have been better and in I'm terms of the people who, who came out of the woodwork yeah. i agree and i'm just like i'm so bad at being taken care of in any way it's like really doesn't come naturally to me i would rather like die in the forests than have <laughs> someone come help me and like bring me a little jacket and a capri sun so i feel really grateful for the capri suns that i've been brought in rapid succession this week so I have For to our non-American listeners, myself included, what is a Capri Sun? Kind it of, it is a little sleeve sports juice drink. Okay, so it's yeah. like a juice box. It's a juice box. It's a juice box. Okay, okay, yeah, just really, really tasty. So yeah, in that way, the week has been great. How's your week been? Oh my god, my week has. I mean, I cannot discuss my week without talking about my inspiration. Do oh my mind god, if I just kick it off, take it away. Yeah, <sighs> this week has been a week of Hollywood men. And let me oh tell you, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god! <laughs> There's nothing more inspiring than a hot man. I agree, but it has been so intense this week where I feel like I okay. I, I need to. I'm going to preface this by saying I'm not one to get carried away. I didn't have posters on my wall. I had paintings of Provence. You may say pick me. I'd agree. That was I questionable decisions. <laughs> I, I've always been someone who hates to give men power. Mm-hmm. But this week I gave it all up. I gave up all my power to them and they truly sucks the life out of me. I interviewed a comedian who is famously hot. Should I say names? Should I say names on here? Mm, maybe don't, just in case. Okay. I don't know why, but maybe don't. Something inside my gut is saying, don't let her say it. Okay. <laughs> if you want to know, you can DM me directly yeah. or the Uncover Girl page. We will reply and tell you. However, you know who he is because there aren't many hot comedians. So true. In some way, it's sort of like the, it's like when you, 
not natural selection that's the only thing that's yes coming no into no, no. My... it's like god doesn't give with both hands yeah like yeah, yeah. you can't be funny and hot that's just unfair and obviously there have been like weird exceptions like a pete davidson who is kind of funny and kind of hot and no one understands like what he brings to the table in terms of all these like a-listers yeah but there are other people who are like that's the hottest man i've ever seen this guy is objectively very funny and very hot and it's hard to debate that so anyway i'm getting on an interview with him truth be told i kind of forgot it was happening and it felt oh. a bit i know i was like oh i got them like 15 minutes before got the reminder it was like oh god so it was in a bit of a flurry and a fluster and then when I got on the call, Ivana, you know I love to be camera off. There's not yeah. a single moment in time I'd like to be camera on. Oh, I lie through my teeth. I go, sorry, something's going on with my camera. It's not working. <laughs> or just like, I'm so sorry. I actually look terrible. I wasn't prepared to be camera on. Can we just not do this? And I get on this call and he is nestled up in bed, backwards cap on, and camera on, <laughs> evidently, as I can see him. And I was like, oh, are we camera on? Expecting him to maybe say, oh, no, no, we don't have to be. Let me just switch off. Yeah. He goes, I'm camera on. I <laughs> turn that little camera icon to the most poorly lit vision of me. I look disgusting. I can't I believe say, that's true. What were you wearing? Oh, what was the um, hair doing? I was wearing a rugby shirt. <laughs> the hair was greasy. Mm. and uh wasn't like pulled back in a cute way was like back in a clip but like not in a fun way actually like comparable to this but i think slightly worse worse actually i would say Mm -hmm. and um i had just put on a tinted sunscreen because i'd run out of regular sunscreen of course and i had kind of you know as you do like put it all over your like lips (laughs) 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 oh man one flat color And I couldn't very well like reposition the laptop without looking like I was like taking myself and my appearance too seriously. Oh, this is my nightmare. So this is purgatory. I just (laughs) had to have it sitting on my lap and then talking to this really hot guy who is, yeah, very funny. And I expected to kind of be like a douchebag, like not very nice, was the kindest, most engaging, warmest. Like I turned on my camera and he went like, and I went, and it was so bizarre. And then... He would speak and because he was so generous with his responses, I really just lost track of space and time and there would come a natural pause in the conversation where I am, of course, supposed to follow up with another question. And I just was like, totally. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> when you're out there. Yeah. And uh, and I will want to say that's one of the, the first times that's happened to me off the basis of someone's like hotness alone. And again, it's difficult for me and my pride to admit this because I never want to give a hot man any credit, but that's just what happened. That's what transpired. It's fact. Yeah. I, I, that's happened to me. I think the most rent, the director of the film, it chapter two, who is like an Italian man. It colon chapter two. Yeah. The, it like, like the clown movies, the director of that movie, I think his name is like, Anthony Scicciarelli or something. He's an Italian man. He took my breath away. I actually tripped leaving the interview with him. Oh, Turning no. around going, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> I trip and like stumble oh. and he's like, oh. Oh, not in front of an Italian man because yeah. they know. They know. They're not ignorant to their power. No, his eyes bore a hole through my head and I, I was hate. like, whoa. you!" And he was like so charming, engaging. That's my nightmare of a man. 
I don't think I could ever end up with a man like that. Frankly. No, not to say that my current partner doesn't bore a hole through your head, but that kind of charisma, I playing with fire. Yeah. <laughs> and you know that you're walking into every room with that man as your boyfriend and he is commanding every woman in the vicinity because it's ineffable what's going on it's not just that they're hot like it's it's not really about that no there's something else happening yeah they have it they have it chapter two yeah exactly (laughs) he got me everyone look up a picture of him and maybe you'll see what i'm saying wait so this was quickly followed up so i i had to decompress from this of course i went to the gym at the time i usually don't go like at 2 p.m. It was mm-hmm. crazy. But I was like, okay, I finished this interview. I have a minute. Like, I'm going to bang it out, come back. The gym is empty, Ivana. And there is a man on a machine next to me. And I start unloading plates from his machine. And I will acknowledge that I was being, like, kind of rude. Like, he was mid-set. And I'm, like, taking plates off his machine. Like, it's a little bit concerning, especially when it's something like a leg press. You just think you're going to hurt someone or you might get hurt. I, I knew I was being like kind of obnoxious. No, I, I never know what to do and I always take the plates. I take the plates because I'm just like, oh, I could just wait, wait for you to yeah. finish your set or I could just do it. Yeah. So I start doing it. And then I look at this man's face. I'm setting the scene. Black shorts, navy shirt, gray cap. Chase Crawford. <laughs> Nate from Gossip Girl, as he is known. And I proceed to keep unloading the plates and Good. put them on the machine next to him. And I... Were you hip thrusting? Yes. Of course. Thank God. And thank God you were. You could not present yourself better. I have never tried to keep my face so neutral during like a, yeah, 360-pound hip thrust yeah. ever in my life. Like I was trying to look so like this, light as a feather. Yeah. I just... I actually... Off the back of this comedian interview, I actually just couldn't process because this is possibly the most famous or most like culturally relevant to me person I've seen in the wild. Like I've seen a lot of actors. I've seen a lot of like TV stars, you know, wandering about. I've seen, you know, Max Greenfield from New Girl. I was with you. Oh, yeah. I've seen two stars of Succession, Jeremy Strong and the girl who plays the oh, um, oh, Willa. Connors. Yeah, yeah. Willa. I've seen, I see, I see people, I see the out about at parties. You see people like it's, they're all, they're all across, but this hit me like a slap in the face. And then because the gym was so empty, we just kind of proceeded to (laughs) say we, I proceeded to follow him just from, just from port to port, wherever he went, I stayed tethered at least 20 feet away. Amazing. And, uh, and then I just like, I watched him on the treadmill for a long time Did he run? out of my periphery. Yeah, was he, he was sprinting? sprinting. Of course he was sprinting. He was doing full sprints. I, when the men are when the men start sprinting on the treadmill in a way that makes it feel like they're going to like rip the track off because they're running so hard. Yeah, Tom Cruise Mission Impossible. Yeah, yeah. I'm like what's going on? Listen, I don't know because that man hit a leg press, he hit a seated row into sprints. And it's like who does their cardio like that? Like don't you just do cardio on a day you yeah. know like why would you do both heavy lifting and then straight into sprints like i was like mm. clearly the man is a machine yeah first of all training for a role yeah maybe, maybe. he's also single right now what? i looked it up was he not single before no he's always had like a stream of like pretty like hot cool girlfriends it seems like and mm. they've always been uh like for significant periods of time but i think he's single right now but yeah it just always surprises me too because he was obviously very hot but really normal yeah like just truly probably a, an inch taller than me and just normal hot 
high school hot. Oh, ordinary. Yeah. Incredible. Approachable. It's everything. Yeah. We did see a friend of ours, a mutual friend, Camella, if you're listening. <gasps> she's an Ugo. Oh my God. Camella. Paul Wesley. The yeah. Paul Wesley run pa- Paul Wesley, Camella. The Tell fact, us. <laughs> you dropped that in the middle of a fucking photo dump. Yeah. Just a, a photo with Paul Wesley. No context. Just like recent. Camella, what? Tell us more. How was he? Yeah. How was he? I'm watching now. I'm watching now. Vampire Diaries? Yeah. I'm back in. I'm back in, baby. It takes so little to hook you, doesn't it? No, absolutely nothing. I watched the pilot episode for three minutes and I'm like, oh, what? Here we go on? again. <laughs> Here we go again. I know. What has been inspiring you? Okay. So it starts with something small, but then it becomes much bigger. Right now, it's dog sweaters because as I plan this big cross country temporary jaunt to the Midwest, I'm going to be in winter for the first time in a while. Since I moved to LA, I've had five blissful years, you know, with the 60 degree days and the 55 degree nights in the winter here. And now I'm about to experience like 30 below. And that's we, below zero for yeah. Celsius listeners. Yes, of course. And um, we are road tripping there. We're like planning our little escape. And so we're taking Holly and I need to find her a sweater because she's a short haired little pit bull and she needs a sweater. And as I've been looking, one, incredible advancements in the dog sweater fields, some really gorgeous pieces. Sandy Liang, just, I just sent that you to just you. Sent that to me. Stunning. Lisa says, Ga has some beautiful checkered sweaters, but the whole process really what it has brought up in me is just that I am randomly very excited for the coziness of winter. I haven't experienced seasons in so long mm. being in LA and I loved the winters when I lived in Chicago. I, Did, oh, yeah. You're the one that's completely unfazed. But yeah, I yeah. really am. Knock on wood. Unfazed. Like, I just, like, in, like, almost a child sense, I'm like, snow angel season. It's like. Yes. Yeah. I love it. And I haven't had it in so long. And Milwaukee is such like a cozy place. Chicago. Well, the great thing about it for you is that this is truly like temporary in a blip. You're not staring down like 20 more winters after this one. That's so true. And I think that I think that was also how I felt about college. Maybe that was the reason I felt impenetrable to it. I was still having so much fun. Right. Where it was just like, oh, winter is about being sweet with your friends and drinking whiskey to warm up together. Making apple cider on the stove. Baking. Yeah. It's not a slog. No. Every day. And like when it was a slog, it was still very new. It was like, oh, I'm going to my diner in the snow and I'm walking back from the diner in the snow, but it's fine. Yeah. I made $60 in tips, baby. And I'm happy. I think about all the time how rough the Southern hemisphere has it in the sense it's never that cold, but they don't have anything to break up winter like Christmas, New Year's. Yeah. So it's just all your events are sandwiched together during the summer months. And then you just literally are in a desert for the next eight months of the year. Whoa. How bleak is that? That's think about it all the time. Incredibly bleak. That's my Roman empire. Stay awake at night. Think about it. Because Christmas, I think really saves a lot of lives. It does. Where it's like, okay, we've got Thanksgiving. We've got Christmas. We've got things to look forward to. Exactly. And the real slog, I feel like the real hardship happens in March when it's still snowing in March here. Oh, for sure. like I can't do much longer yeah but you know when it's cold October through December you have so much to celebrate New Year's walking around in a little coat so I've got to get all my little coats out and my gloves I'm finding all my little things no I think it'll be very romantic I love to leave 
and come back. And I haven't left in so long. Yeah, totally. I haven't left in so long in this way, an extended way. I never left in college. Like I never went home for the summers or any of those times where a lot of people had like months where they were home without much to do or much responsibilities or like casual things happening. I always worked through those. I just stayed and I would work at the restaurants all through summer. I would stay and work through Thanksgiving. I would go home for Christmas for like three days. I just have never had this. Right. So I'm really excited about it. I'm getting some dog sweaters for Holly, some sweaters for me. And we're just going to cozy up together by the fire. Yeah. Real fire. Yeah. It is an anomaly. I know. In these parts. It is. It is. Well, I'm so excited for you. And I'm so excited for our guest today. Oh, my God. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the one and only Abby Schreiber. I need to preface that she absolutely gave me my career. I called or emailed her while I was still living in New Zealand and she agreed to have coffee with me. And she basically set me up with an interview for an internship at paper. And within a week I was in house as a staff writer there, which is just an absurd story for anyone. And she has just maintained such a special place in my heart. I just, I cannot give her enough credit for um, what she did for me, especially as like a nobody arriving fresh off the plane to New York City. And she Aww. also met with you. Yes. I actually, after we're done here, we should look to see when we sent our respective emails because I swear it was around the same time. It had to be. I would hate to see what I said. Oh no. I was just going to say, we can't read them. We'll just look at the dates. Right. I can't imagine what I said, but it was because I admired her so much and I admired paper so much. And I similarly was freshly arrived to New York. Yep. It's so sweet to think that we both grabbed coffees with her and then embarked and then would find each other a few years later. I know our paths just constantly intersecting. I know. We both bought mini Diet Cokes this week. You ordered a little sweater with a teddy bear on it. I I, know. I'm wearing one right now. Yeah, that's weird. No, there was another one too where we just like... Oh, it happens the all the place. time. No, we would go to brunch and you and Steven would just pull up yeah. at the same place in the same time anywhere in LA. Do you know you how just, big this city is? It's, yeah, it's huge. It cannot be understated. Like it's big, 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 big. Well, the universe just keeps reminding us. Stay together, girls. Stay together, girls. Mm-hmm. Here's your lifeboat. Keep uncovering, you uncover girls. I know. And we do. We listen. We're <laughs> listening. But today we're discussing... An incredible profile that Abby wrote back in 2018 when she was the executive editor at Paper Magazine. And I think you all know the star pretty well. Amanda Bynes. For anyone that's curious about her, for anyone that loved her growing up, this is the episode for you. This is the Amanda Show. Woo! Paper Magazine, 2008. 2018. Our brains just... (laughs) Paper Magazine, 2018. Break the internet. Amanda Bynes. Welcome to Uncover Girls. So excited to have you here. The it is was- my distinct honor. So <laughs> You're so cute. Abby was executive editor at Paper. You'll have to remind me how many years you were there. I thought it was eight, but I could be wrong. Yeah, it was like a little more than eight. It was probably eight and a half. Okay, yeah. perfect. Oh my God. Wow. Lifetime. Oh, yeah, no, I, I hear you. It feels like we've been in this industry a lifetime. I know. Which actually speaking of, I have to say, you agreed when I arrived to New York City, fresh as a little daisy, you agreed to meet me for coffee. Um, and it was one of my like first ever little networking meetings where I loved yeah. paper. I loved your work. Oh, well, it's my pleasure. I always love sort of keeping up with people's amazing careers who, 
you know, I had the chance to get to meet when you were new to the city or just starting out. It's, it's really cool. It's so really crazy. cool. You're so, you're so incredibly generous with your time because I literally cold emailed you. I remember finding you via the paper mask head while I was still in New Zealand and truly pursuing you like a hound. And <laughs> it's just cra- like, it's crazy to think the fact that you agreed to that coffee, because I know now having been in this industry for so long, it's so easy to delete the email or just yeah. be like, oh, I'll come back to this. It really is a testament to you and your selflessness. Wow. <laughs> no, thank you. I mean, I remember when I was graduating college and getting ready to move to New York and and re- doing the same thing. I mean, that's how we all kind of get started in the industry, right? Because there's not the same straightforward tracks that other industries have. It's all relationships and cold emails. And I definitely reached out to different people, some of whom I got connected to from friends or whatever, and then others I didn't know at all. And I was so appreciative of the people that took a call or met me for coffee. I wanted to ask you how you got to paper first off out of college. Cold email, cold email, baby. So I grew up in Chicago, went to college on the East Coast, and then I moved back home for the summer and was doing some freelance writing, trying to just pound the pavement, get clips, connect with editors and writers. And I started writing a handful of stories that summer for Black Book Magazine. Do you remember that? I remember it. It was very Mm -hmm. chic, right? It was like a coffee table. It was a cool fashion nightlife, not so different from paper. And then moved to New York that fall and actually... um, started out as an intern at New York Magazine. And so I did that for four or five months. You know, it was one of the rare paid internships, but it wasn't paying enough. And so I said to myself, oh my God, I need to find a job. So I said to myself, okay, I need to just brush up my resume, get all my clips for my freelancing together and send out cover letters and cold emails to as many people as I can find paper was, if not the only, then one of the only places that got back to me and asked me to come in for an interview. And in true kind of like beautifully chaotic paper form, two things happened. The first was that my old boss, one of the co-founders of paper accidentally offered me a more senior job title than what the position actually was. (laughs) So he had to sort of like rescind the more senior title. And then the second funny thing was the night before I had my first day of work happened to be paper's holiday party. And I was so surprised and flattered, but I was kind of hyperventilating. I was like, what do I do? I don't want to be that weird person at the company party that nobody knows who's starting work the next day. I don't want to seem like too like big for my britches, but I also don't want to like turn yeah. it down. Yeah. You don't so want to like, reject the, the invitation right. better than so the holiday the, party. Right. So like, what's the move here? And so I decided to go. And I, and I think I, I straight up was like, yeah, I'm really flattered to be here. I wasn't, you know, I wouldn't have thought I'd get to come to the holiday party before I even worked here. You know, I kind of was like yeah, 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 yeah. in on the weirdness of it. But yeah. The rest is history. That's yeah, just cold email. Wow. During my almost like two years, maybe just a little bit over 18 months of paper, you truly were the face and the lifeblood of the magazine. You wrote this profile just, I think, after my 
tenure ended. And it's worth saying that you have gone on to do incredible things. You've gone on to write for Numero, Vogue, Vice, and currently Abby is the host of Hoax, the Sherry Papini story. Go listen. Uh, we've just been listening. Yeah, we were just listening moments ago. Yeah, we were just listening moments ago. Go listen um, on every streaming service, right? An incredible true crime podcast that yes. you've got you to dive into. But going back, we're in 2018. We're seeing a massive push towards social media in a way that I just don't think it had really riled up to this yeah. extent at this point, right? And I feel like it's important to mention because right now Twitter is dying um, on its last breath, it feels like. But at this moment, Twitter is huge. Instagram is huge. Time's up. People are speaking out on social media in a big way. And um, I also feel like the idea of things going viral and virality in general was massive at this juncture. And paper really was at the forefront with this, but also many other covers in their like, quote, break the internet. Um, cover stories. And this one really did, it feels like, where it wasn't just about the gorgeous photos that everyone is circulating and being like, oh my God, look at Kim Kardashian. This was really about the contents of the story and learning what happened to a childhood idol for many out there. And I think it's worth noting, and I don't mind being the one to say this, but the emphasis on content at paper wasn't always enormous it was like yeah. photo, photos took priority and yeah. that was a smart strategy honestly because that's what people could engage in the fastest and share and spread the fastest the fact that you took the time to deliver such a like incredibly nuanced portrait of someone who had just been so denigrated in the media and by truly everyone like no no she had very few fans left it felt like at this point is a huge credit to you especially because I know the traffic mandates I remember the time <laughs> constraints like it was another yeah. world <laughs> yeah and I think before I would love to read your work um so I hope that's okay but before I really want to know how you were feeling going into this and coming into the room with her um in this moment where like I think very few of us knew where she was at or what was going on in her life before I kind of answer that, Beatrice, you brought something up that what was true that for a long time, because of papers quest to get traffic, like every publication, there was this emphasis rightly or wrongly on the images thinking the images will go viral. Kim K's break the internet images went viral. People aren't reading was sort of, right. unfortunately, the, the perception. People are just sharing them on, first it was Facebook. Then it was people are sharing them on Instagram. And I remember talking to the owners of the company and my boss at the time, I said, look, paper is known for its images. We're not going to stop doing incredible shoots, but we really need to invest more in our, in our stories and our storytelling. And I was really excited when... Amanda's story did so well online and really went viral. And it felt like a proof of concept where it was like, see, I told you so. Like good stories can go viral. Because also I had seen stories go viral in so many other publications that I love yes. and read that we all do. So it wasn't a, a, it wasn't news, but I felt like for paper, it was proof that we could do that too. We could play in the sandbox with, you know, the Vanity Fairs, the New York magazines, the Rolling Stones. But then to answer your question about what I felt like when I was going into the room to meet Amanda, I was really excited, but I was also kind of stressed, not because I was stressed to meet her, but in other true paper form, 
We were way past deadline. Somehow I have to interview her and turn in the first draft of the cover story in like four days. But we did the photo shoot first uh, before the interview. And I remember when she arrived on set, she was so lovely. She was a little bit shy. You know, this was her first big photo shoot and cover story in like a decade, maybe even more than that. But she was really nice. And she was accompanied by her sort of like family's lawyer. So that was unusual. She wasn't with a publicist or an agent. Were you daunted at the task of kind of gaining her trust? Yes. Although I would say the benefit of having so little time to do everything probably helped me not be too in my head about it. I think the other thing that I was very conscious of was trying to treat and like talk to her. I mean, as you should do for any interview, but to try to just be very normal. I felt like, you know, look, she's my age. Of course, our lives are very different. But if I approach the conversation the way I would with or with almost anyone, that'll hopefully seem more genuine and authentic and not like some two-faced interviewer who seems really friendly, but then is just going to turn around and write this hit piece on you, which was never the, the intention anyway. It could have so easily been exploitative, like in someone else's hands, but you treat her and her story with so much respect. And it's incredible how much life she's lived at this point, just as some context for listeners, Amanda Bynes retired from acting officially in 2010 after she saw EZA. And so this is really a reintroduction into this person. I'm going to read it out. This is how you open the piece. Can you put Post Malone back on? Amanda Bynes asks in a way that's both confidently decisive and exceedingly polite. She's modeling a pretty beaded and crystal studded silver top that she designed herself. Her long, honey blonde hair parted to the side like a 90s cover girl, while posing serenely as the photographer snaps her picture. If you were to ignore the incredibly 2018 musical reference and shut your eyes, you'd be forgiven for thinking you had walked onto a photo shoot 10 years ago. Back then, Bynes regularly graced covers for publications like Vanity Fair, Cosmopolitan, or Seventeen, while she was promoting films like What a Girl Wants, She's the Man, or Hairspray. But it's not 2008. It's 2018. And as any fan or casual reader of the internet knows, a lot has changed. Not least of which is that Bynes has spent the last several years retired from acting and avoiding the spotlight. But things are changing again. So where you catch her right now is that she's attending FIDM, which is a fashion school um, in Los Angeles. She's receiving her associate's degree and hopes to go on to get her bachelor's. And she is going there in part because she saw it on the hills. And that's where Lauren Conrad went, which like stars that just like us. They really are. And she is like she's in the middle of sort of a reinvention, a rebrand after some sort of tumultuous years. So you walked around for them with her. I did. So the first night was the photo shoot. And then the next day was the interview. And we met for the interview at FIDM. And she gave me a tour of the campus. And then I also had the chance to meet with two women, one of whom is an administrator at FIDM and the other was one of her professors. And they just had such glowing things to say about her and what a great student she was and how much talent and potential she has. Did that feel authentic, Abby? Well, look, there's sort of always going to be two kind of examples, right, of like third party sources for a piece. There's the example that you 
track down and find yourself. And then there's an example that the talent offers to you. Right. And this was definitely the latter. So I didn't expect that these FIDM faculty members were going to say anything but positive things. Having said that, I do think that they genuinely believed it, you know, but it is sort of celebrity profiles and access journalism is weird in that way, right? Because in most cases, anyone who's going to talk to you is going to have their own bias and agenda. The idea of secondary sources. It's, it's such a bizarre thing, especially when it's like a director, like quoting the director (laughs) of the movie that the star in the profile is promoting. Oh, we've seen some insane ones. We were reading, I think it was actually 2018, a Selena Gomez Vogue cover and Paul Rudd, who was her co-star from like five years before was quoted. And we were like, Paul Rudd, he's like, I love her. I I hadn't heard her music, but I totally love her. I didn't get it. But after meeting her, it was so special. Like it was so so crazy. Shit girls on it, girls. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) It's so true. You go back into her history a little bit, which I think is is worth noting. She had a meteoric rise and Ivana and I were talking about this in the lead up because Ivana was an aspiring child star. (laughs) And I said, no. Not formally. Share more. I, was, I just like was in theater camp and then went to an arts school. She won best actress at the high school that I inspired did. Blaine. What? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So, yeah. That's she amazing. Was, she really was a case study, I think, for all of us where it's sort of yeah. like nobody is doing enough because look at everything Amanda Bynes is doing and has done. I mean, she got an agent at seven and right. then was lauded because- She got I, her own TV show. Yeah. Amanda's right. show. Like that's crazy. So you know that she started with all that and then she got a full spinoff inspired by the Carol Burnett show called The Amanda Show. And then she went on at 15 to shoot Big Fat Liar with um, Frankie Muniz. Huge get. I remember that movie. So oh, I have full body chills. I have full body chills about her trajectory. <laughs> Could have been you. Could have been you. And then it kind of like, it just went up from there. She was in the show, What I Like About You with Jenny Garth. She then went on to obviously do She's the Man, What a Girl Wants. It's just a crazy, crazy. And all before what, 22 that was? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah if even 20, maybe. 20, yeah, exactly. Still and she was so good in all of these things. That's the other thing. It wasn't yeah. something where it's, you know, the, Hannah Montana, I don't know if people are still talking about how like evocative Miley was on the screen although there are many wonderful things about that show but Amanda Bynes people are still talking about her comedic timing and when you watch these movies they're totally timeless she just completely sells it she's brilliant she's interesting on the screen she's just such a talent and I want to credit you because you got quotes from her that I never would have imagined like headline pulling type quotes out of here it's nuts Tell us your experience of her kind of demeanor and how she was. It was wild is really the only way to put it because, you know, I mean, she was completely healthy, down to earth, lucid, gracious. And it was like talking to the two of you. And I think what's, what's been hard is for those who kind of are online or follow her career, there's been photos and stories in the last couple of years that concern people wonder if she's doing okay. Looking just at that time, she seemed super healthy and in a really good place. And I wouldn't say that if I didn't believe it. You know, she was a little shyer and a little more guarded, but she seemed totally, you Mm -hmm. know, healthy and yeah, and lucid and 
and engaged and engaging. And so then the next day when we did the interview, I mean, it truly felt like talking to just a girlfriend, even the way she would sort of talk about some of those more uncomfortable moments was the way you would hope to talk about them yourself or the way you would hope a friend would talk about them if you had moved past it. Substances and yeah. yeah. And and she kind of would like be embarrassed and laugh about it and be like, oh my God, that was so cringy. But in a way that was very self-aware. And she just was like, oh my God, I don't know what I was thinking. No, that's Mm -hmm. what jumps out. I couldn't believe her perspective. Yeah. She said, I never really liked going out that much. And she really only started partying at 25 years old. She said, I never liked the taste of alcohol. I could not stomach it. But I started smoking marijuana when I was 16. Even though everyone thought I was the good girl, I did smoke marijuana from that point on. I didn't get addicted then and I wasn't abusing it and I wasn't going out and partying or making a fool of myself yet. And then you say that she added that last part with a self-aware laugh, which is, it's very clear. She knows exactly what's gone down and how she's perceived. And she kind of goes on from there. And I guess she started experimenting with hallucinogenics and then Molly, like Molly ecstasy. She didn't like Coke. I loved it. It was, it felt very Lindsay Lohan, that quote of like, I did Coke like three times, but the uh, where she really ran into trouble, it seems like is when she started using Adderall. First of all, like I cannot imagine someone chewing Adderall tablets like candy, which is what she was doing. And when she sees herself in the monitor, thinks her arm looks so fat that she literally spirals out of control and rushes off set being like, oh my God, I look so bad. That becomes a real through line. It feels like of the root of a lot of these issues seems to be Um, in her personal appearance and like in the way that she sees herself on the screen and almost has it's it feels like you know a kind of dysmorphia or sort of like you know everyone I think if you would ask like Amanda Bynes is an absolutely beautiful woman but that is not how she's seen herself in the past so okay this is my question to you I told Ivana this recently as if it was law I was like when Amanda Bynes starred in She's the Man she had a full breakdown after seeing herself in drag and it was a huge kind of mental reset for her. And I don't know if it was because I read this profile in 2018 or because that snippet specifically has resurfaced online. And I think it's the latter. I think there are pop culture journalists like on TikTok right now talking about the fact that Amanda mm-hmm. truly spiraled after this story. Yeah. 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 No, that seemed like a real trigger point her by her own admission and I will say and this is something people will sometimes ask me and trolls or whatever will sometimes criticize this I did bring up and did ask her questions about mental health but she did not want to go there I mean she was so open about her substance issues and her behavior and so many things but where she really drew a red line was mental illness, mental health stuff. She said something to the effect of like, I've been diagnosed with so many different things. I don't really identify or believe that those diagnoses are what has caused my problems. I believe like it's, it's addiction and substance abuse. And um, I really resent it when people play armchair psychiatrist and diagnose me, you know, on the internet and say, you're, you know, you're bipolar, or you're schizophrenic or whatever. And so I thought that was interesting because I think a lot of people read the story and they're like, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. I mean, substances 
addicts are, they can be hardcore. And if you abuse them, you can have these psychiatric symptoms. But I think other people are like, mm, is that really what's going on? I mean, that's where as a journalist, I think there's a really fine line on the one hand of wanting to really probe for the story and ask the right questions, but you, you know, it's also a human. And so you want to be respectful. And I think especially with stuff around mental health and especially women's mental health issues, like the last thing I wanted to do was speculate or be the armchair psychiatrist that had really hurt her. Maybe another journalist would have tried to talk to a psychiatrist and said, what do you think is going on here? But I didn't feel like that was appropriate in this situation because anyone I might've talked to is presumably not going to be a medical clinician who actually treats Amanda. And if it were, that person should get their license taken away because of like patient doctor privilege. Yeah. So, you know, I, I reported what she shared with me, but, but it was interesting that, that, you know, that in some ways she was showing, if not telling her mental health challenges and, and, you know, mental health can be a broad category, like saying that you had a, you know, kind of a a breakdown over seeing yourself in drag. Like that's a mental health issue, even if there's no clear diagnosis or having kind of like psychotic episodes, even if they're induced by Adderall abuse or like too much marijuana, like that's also a mental health response, even if, you know, a doctor can't put a label on it. So it's like like looking at it like injury versus like ailment, like lifelong affliction. Right. It's like, I was, I had a broken leg in that moment and I couldn't walk. Mm -hmm. But I think this is such a timestamp in the culture because I think if the same interview was happening in 2023, any talent would be so quick to be like, well, actually I've, I've been diagnosed since. And I realized that that contributed to a lot of what I was going through. And because mental health is so, it's so in the zeitgeist, it's such a big part of the conversation and what we think about this 2018, it really shows the stigma that was still. Yes. Yes. And no. And I only say, I only push back a little bit because I remember writing this piece framing the question in such a way to kind of like point out that a lot of stars were just beginning to open up about mental health. It certainly wasn't as destigmatized as it might be today, but, and I I would have to like go back and like make sure my facts are correct here, but I'm pretty sure like Demi Lovato and Selena Gomez and other young stars were beginning to talk about that stuff. And so I remember in my head thinking like, this is a great opportunity for Amanda to kind of be part of that movement if she wants to be. And she even alluded to that. She said like, I really respect people who talk about their mental health challenges and I don't want there to be any stigma around that, but that's just not my story is is kind of how she framed it. Mm -hmm. Um, whether, you know, whether or not if we were doing the interview today, she would have a different answer. I, I don't know. I also think, um, and we talked about this in our Selena Gomez episode, that it exists on such a spectrum of it's it's much easier, I think, and accepted generally by all to say that, you know, in the past I've struggled with depression or in the past I've struggled with anxiety versus um, bipolar. I'm currently, I'm currently in the throes of like a, an episode, a manic episode. Those things still, I feel like 
it's so interesting how it's like, it's always like to a degree. And I think it's really huge that Selena Gomez has been open about it because she's like, and has been historically the most like followed person on Instagram, one of the biggest stars in the world. And it's one of the ones that doesn't have such a neat little bow on it where we've had a long time to digest like, oh, okay, that's not, you know, okay, we accept that. And it's a real rational fear. Like it's a totally rational fear because it's, you know, you you lose the trust of those around you so quickly because they can write off any of your behavior as not right. being valid because it's, right. it's yeah, coming down to an episode or something like that. But well, and also Selena and and Demi and some of these other stars, you know, they didn't step away from the spotlight the way Amanda did. And so in in a sense, like Amanda was and is much more vulnerable, you know, wanting to kind of get back into entertainment and relaunch your career it it probably made opening up beyond all that she opened up about with me like feel I'm sure very risky um because unlike Selena and Demi who had this sort of cultural cachet this cultural capital they were still very bankable Mm -hmm. you know Amanda was just in a very different place right yeah and in the midst of a conservatorship yes exactly so yeah this was a, all a flow and effect after she left Hall Pass, which was the movie where she was kind of crushing Adderall and seeing herself on the monitor and being upset at her appearance. And um, and then she attends a screening for Easy A, which comes out, I guess, a few months later. You write, not unlike her discomfort on the Hall Pass set, she elaborates that, I literally couldn't stand my appearance in that movie and I didn't like my performance. I was absolutely convinced I needed to stop acting after seeing it. I was high on marijuana when I saw that. And for some reason, it really started to affect my brain. I don't know if it was a drug-induced psychosis or what, but it affected my brain in a different way. It affects other people. It absolutely changed my perception of things, which is so crazy because she was so good in that movie. I know. She was so good in Easy A. And she looked gorgeous. Like, Oh, my, of course. And she, the way that she announced her retirement at this point, 2010, was through a series of tweets where she sort of said... Um, which honestly, like it sort of breaks my heart to read them now because they feel very honest. She says, being an actress isn't as fun as it may seem. She wrote at like 3 a.m. on Twitter. If I don't love something anymore, I stop doing it. I don't love acting anymore. So I've stopped doing it. I know 24 is a young age to retire, but you heard it here first. Yeah. Yeah. And then, I mean, at this point, like she and I, I love that you kind of talk to her about this and she says like I wish they put out a formal statement and did it right but I was just in the midst of like it seems like this was the only outlet where she felt heard and yeah she was like everything I worked my whole life to achieve I kind of ruined it all through Twitter and it's not Twitter's fault it's my own fault this is crazy stuff to be getting from her Abby mm-hmm. yeah well if you think about 2010 social media was still really new and I don't think any of us even celebrities understood the power like people were tweeting the craziest things I mean think of all the celebrities that are mega famous right now who in the last few years have like gotten canceled or gotten in hot water for tweets that they wrote 10 years ago 15 years ago even when they were already in the public eye but maybe not like a-list like a Chrissy Teigen and you're just like Mm. Were you not thinking that people were going to read this? Like people almost treated it like their diary. Um, So I think people, I think we're all a little bit more internet savvy than we were back then, but it is kind of amazing to think about 
yeah, like what Amanda did and just kind of making such a huge statement like that, probably without having talked to her team or getting any advice, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And like, while her tweets were prolific, like she tweeted a lot. I agree with you in that. I don't think they were dissimilar to what a lot of other celebrities were tweeting at the time in that, like, I'm sure some were way grosser and it was more graphic. problematic. The Drake mode in my vagina was graphic. Mm-hmm. Like that made the waves. I it, think. Did. Yeah. it did. Yeah. It did. Yeah. It did. Yeah. It absolutely yeah. did. You're conceding on that fact. Yeah. You're like, that I was can. a big one. I know. And then, and then a lot of them also like really are heartbreaking in that a lot of them are just like about how she wished she looked different and like she wishes she was prettier. She also told Obama that she didn't drink. Like, I think it's, there were a piece of it that's like interesting. And then a piece of it that's also deeply sad because yeah. it, it shows someone in the throes of something that is like out of their control at this point. Yeah. She, she did tweet at the time. And this is what we discussed before hopping on with you, Eb, is that she was like, I'm Britney Spears. And it is uncanny the parallels between their two stories, especially the conservatorship, which I think, I think you told me that served as a blueprint for her own conservatorship. Is that correct? It, no, that might be correct. You know, I was thinking about this because I was listening to the episode you you guys recorded with Vanessa Gregoriatis about Brittany. And it's funny because in 2018, people weren't really talking about conservatorships or like scrutinizing them. I mean, there was maybe a very like minority group of Britney stands that were saying free Britney by then. And like her conservatorship is terrible, but I, as a journalist, like the conservatorship was almost beside the point when I was working on my story with Amanda, like I didn't even question it. I just was like, okay, here's someone who was going through some really public struggles. She needed help managing her finances. That seems very reasonable to me. Right. You know, and it was only in the last, what, three years when all of this stuff came out about Britney that we started as a society learning more about these conservatorships, what they are, what they actually mean, how that has a real day to day impact on the person under the conservatorship and starting to realize like, oh, wait, this is kind of a messed up thing. Um, But yeah, there are so many parallels between what Britney went through and what Amanda went through, for sure, for sure. The fact that this is exactly a decade after the British conservatorship began is very weird and freaky. Um, yeah. That you caught her in this moment. And then obviously since 2018, she's been 5150 again, I think multiple times, right? And mm-hmm. was seen naked on Skid Row in Los Angeles. I actually saw her yeah. on a Sunday morning chain smoking on the corner of like Hollywood and Vine, which was oh, wow. really crazy. Yeah. So it's like, and it was so shocking to see like full, like black, wig type of situation and, and oh, knowing wow. that that's her and it was just in yeah the middle of Hollywood yeah it's it's really it's really crazy because the much like Britney I mean the talent is undeniable and I'm glad that you gave such space to the fact that she was truly like a a one-of-a-kind child star like she wasn't mm-hmm. in it because she was a pretty girl which so many of them mm-hmm. were right it was like <laughs> you look good on camera like and you can carry a line like we're putting you on the screen but she like Ivana says like her comedic timing was unmatched like she was yeah. so good at what she did and my favorite part I have to admit is when she talks about like discovering and fighting for Channing Tatum oh I my know. gosh I know that was the real scoop I was like what 
<laughs> I know. I can't believe it. She discovered him. Wait, can you read? Yeah, it? yeah she's like so, this one. Yes. Yeah. She's like that guy's hot as fuck. Yeah. So you say Bynes can fairly be credited with launching Channing Tatum's career. Amanda says, I totally fought for Channing to get cast in that movie because he wasn't famous yet. He just done a Mountain Dew commercial. And I was like, this guy's a star. Every girl will love him. But the producers were like, he's so much older than all of you. It's like, and she just said, like, I, it doesn't matter. Trust me. And we did. And look at him now. Look at him happily now. engaged to Zoe Kravitz. Yeah, Mr. Zoe Kravitz. I yeah, know. Man. In the limelight still. I did watch, yeah. I, I did rewatch She's the Men in in the lead up to this and he does have a power like he oh. has a power and it's not just the abs like there's some sort of like no yeah, duality super there. charismatic yeah. yeah yeah but also somehow also the underdog it's like an interesting dynamic at play where you don't hate him for just no being the hot jock and they're perfect together because she has so much like body humor comedy in that way like she like does goofball in such a charming way and then he is like this like stoic kind of mysterious charmer they're so perfect together i know it's so good that movie stands the test of time it does beyond. it does i know so you kind of conclude the profile um i mean she kind of gives a little bit of advice to anyone who might be going through mm-hmm. what she's been through she said everyone's different obviously but for me the mixture of marijuana and whatever other drugs and sometimes drinking really messed up my brain it really made me a different person i'm actually a nice person i would never feel or say or do any of the things I I did and said to the people I hurt on Twitter. I forgot that she really came for a lot of women on Twitter. And then you kind of talk about her plans to return to acting. And this is what I wanted to ask you about. If you saw a future for her in the entertainment industry. Yeah, I did. I thought to myself, wow, if this Amanda that I'm in a room with getting to talk with can get back out there and make movies, like she will kill it because her humor was back. She's really smart. And really engaging and thoughtful. So I did. I mean, I I wondered, you know, because recovery and all the things that go along with it is not often like a straight line. So I I I didn't really know what the future would hold, but I kind of was like, if you could take a freeze frame where we are right now, like she is back. Like she she seems great. Mm-hmm. And I, she was, I really did think that. Yeah. And she had been sober for four years at the point that you talked to her, which is no small feat. And you do give her credit yeah. of like, she sort of tries to credit her parents for helping pull her out of it. And then, I mean, as we all know, it is very much like it's, it's led by you, by the self, by yeah. the self in a big way. Yeah. Yeah. Solo journey for mm-hmm. sure. In yeah. many ways. But yeah, I wondered if it was almost like a a Robert Downey Jr. kind of narrative at this point where there was like real retribution and there was like you you could see a, a clear path forward or if like we're not quite as willing to forget when there's women, when it's a woman who's been in the center of it all and suddenly she's not like the sexy hot like object that we used to like so dearly love and like if the that's the bad boy element which can be redeemed obviously so easily when it's someone like a robert downey oh so many bad boys have been redeemed fully yeah it's just like we've forgotten about sean penn we've forgotten about yeah Yeah. there's There's so many is that not as easy for women right the bad girl turned good yeah yeah i think you're right um i mean i I think hollywood loves a comeback story that's such sort of a hollywood 
Hollywood cliche, but I, I do think there's something to it about it being harder for women. I also think that there's sort of the bad behavior that's like you're partying, you're drinking, you're doing drugs, you're being really wild, sort of Robert Downey Jr. levels. But then you, you know, get sober and like you're having your comeback versus like you're behaving super erratically. You're, you know, whether it's because of drugs or mental illness or both. Like I think sometimes people have a bit of a harder time bouncing back from that. Yeah. I also think, you know, she was out of entertainment for, for such a long time. I mean, when we had our interview, it had already been eight years. Now it's been like what, 13 years. I mean, that that's hard to, to just like start it up. It's not impossible, but you know, I don't think Robert Downey Jr. or Sean Penn or some of these others or, or some of the women that kind of were able to overcome issues like that, like Demi Lovato, I don't think they ever took a break that was that long. You know, yeah, I mean, Lindsay yeah. Lohan and kind of her kind, kind of tiptoeing back into acting might be a, an analog, but even for her, she hasn't done anything that's at the par of a Mean Girls or at all the early stuff, you know, well, in a really like long time. The dramatic roles, like the Georgia role. Or the, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. I wanted to ask you about the many strange celebrity run-ins you must have had, mm-hmm. because I bring, I bring them up that of during my time at paper all the time of like what I experienced or how I was treated. I mean, one of my most memorable nights was when... Um, I was still, I, I was not a senior editor at paper. I, I wasn't quite junior, somewhere like mid-level. I had the chance to do like a night out with story with Rick Ross and mm-hmm. his publicist at Def Jam hooked it up. So we would all have dinner at Carbone, which was brand new at the time. And I mean, it's still impossible to get a table today, but back then it was like truly impossible, but it was DJ Khaled, Rick Ross, and some other Def Jam guys. And the bizarre thing, I think Rick Ross had maybe just gotten gastric bypass or something. And like, or they were all on a fitness kick and they hardly ate anything. They just no. ate like, white fish and where you'd be like chicken parm and the rigatoni and like everything. And then I remember Kanye and Virgil Abloh, RIP, were also at at the restaurant so they came over to like pay their respects to rick and this was like before anyone knew how much of an anti-semite kanye was so it was still like an undeniably like exciting encounter versus now it's a little more loaded um so that was a pretty surreal night having dinner and like basically spending the night talking to like Rick Ross about fitness. I was like, okay, not exactly how I expected this night to go with the conversations we've had, we'd have. And that's so real when anyone starts like a fitness or diet kick, that's all they want to talk about. It's true. It like completely takes over the mind. You're like, I'm only eating beans right now. (laughs) That's so funny. Yeah. Yeah. You talk about the stress and the and the pressure and the deadlines and like what you managed to pull off with so like 
like I said, like top, top tier talent under the gun is insane because as we have come to learn, or maybe not many of our listeners know, but like wrangling talent has got to be one of the most difficult jobs on the planet. Like talent publicists, they're getting texts at 3am, they're getting cursed out. It's just like the most stressful job to me that I can possibly imagine. Yeah. Another story I'll share um, cause now you've gotten like the juices flowing. The and, like, turn, remember- yeah. yeah. I'm like remembering these pieces that have been kind of like locked away, <laughs> but you brought up our Rihanna cover. Um, yes. and as you mentioned, we did the cover shoot at a bodega in alphabet city paper is, has always been a very, very, very small publication. Like it is a very small team, which is to say, I suddenly found myself having to be like the location scout for this shoot. And I'm like, whatever scouted locations and like negotiated like what am I supposed to do just go to a bodega and say hey we want to do a photo shoot can you sign this NDA and we'll tell you who it's with like what but there was nobody who had time or capacity to do that so suddenly I found myself like going around the east village to bodegas and finally this random bodega said okay sure you know we'll let you rent it out for six hours. And so I I actually don't even remember if we told them who the star was. We might not even have told them until she showed up mm, because so we fun. were kind of concerned that like it would leak or whatever. And so like any good A-list celebrity photo shoot, it starts like six hours late. So, you know, if we were renting the the space from like noon to 6 p.m., Rihanna doesn't even arrive to like, five or 6 p.m. right so we're already like going into overtime and then but she was lovely she was such a pro very nice very gracious super down to just kind of be creative to she she wasn't in a rush you know some celebrities are just like okay tell me where to stand tell me where my mark is tell me the angles okay let's go let's go and she was like I'm creative, you know, I, I kind of operate on my own schedule, but when I'm here, I'm fully engaged and like, we're going to make this happen. We're going to get the shot. And I remember we had done three or four looks and it's by now probably midnight and we'd already extended the, the bodega rental by five or six hours. This is so stressful. Too. Oh my God. And, and like when Rihanna says she would do a few more looks, you don't tell Rihanna, no, we have to like give this bodega back. You're like, yes, we'll do a few more looks. So I'm like excited, but I'm like, oh shit, like, what am I going to do? So I talked to the bodega guy who wasn't even the owner. I think his uncle owned the actual bodega. He was just like the manager. And I said, okay, I know we've already extended this, but we need another few hours. We'll pay overtime. Don't worry. But like, we have to, like, we can't just stop. Yeah. And he's like, okay, but you need to send me the overtime money. Like right now you need to wire it. And I was uh-huh. just like, it's like, um, <laughs> that's not going to work <laughs> because the other thing you should know, and Beatrice knows this. Yeah, the woman no who would have approved <laughs> the a there's no money but be the woman who would approve the wire she's a mom who lives in queens like it's one o'clock she is in bed like, so somehow i talked the guy off the ledge and was like please you know we'll we'll send you the money tomorrow morning and he kind of got upset and he was kind of getting angry and i was a little bit like like what's gonna happen <laughs> he finally agreed but he didn't seem happy about it but then bizarrely like 
20 minutes later, we're, you know, starting to shoot and I'm with our other colleagues, like on one side of the bodega. And this guy's like in the background out of the frame, texting me being like, Hey, you are cute. Rose emoji. Do you have a boyfriend? And I was just like, Oh my God, this guy who's like one minute threatening me because we're not paying him like thousands overnight is now trying to hit on me with like the rose emoji. Like what? Oh my God. At this point, you're like, I will pimp out my body to get the shoot to fruition. Oh, I was just like, oh my God. Oh my God. And I just kind of was like, thank you. Yeah, like women always do. Yeah, you got it. It's a means to an end. I know. Giggling. Yeah, I just was like, I, yeah, I just need to kind of like just do the minimum to keep this going without getting into any weird situation. Yes, exactly. Yeah, it's, it's a dance that we know well. Yeah, it's a dance we yeah, all know well. That you danced it beautifully. Unfortunately, oh. thank well, you. But that, yeah, that was another. And so we probably wrapped at like four in the morning. It was just one of those crazy days. And then, and then I think then I don't even think paper wanted to wire the money because there's like a fee, right? Of course, so, yes. So yeah. they were like, well, we can cut a check. And and this guy was like, I need it now. So I find myself like the next day, like schlepping back to Alphabet City with like a check in my hand to like give the guy, he's like, oh, thank you. You want some coffee? And I was like, okay. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. all right. Gotta go. <laughs> well, I mean, wow, you absolutely killed that dance, and you also killed the dance through this profile because I can imagine it would have been very delicate to try and deal with not only this kind of subject matter, but someone who was, you know, fragile and had been through a lot and was probably, you know, deeply mistrusting. And the proof is kind of in the pudding, really, with how the story turned out. And we we couldn't be more grateful to have you on. It's such a privilege and. Thank you for my career. Is there, is there, is there, well, oh. thank you for having me on. It's been so much fun. We're oh, such we, fans. You can come back anytime with any story. I know. We can okay. go back to the 90s maybe. Yeah. Great. Oh. I love it. God. The fact that she gave us the tip of the iceberg in terms of stories and interactions she has, like it goes so deep because like she said, the paper team was so small that no one was like spared from like you were getting up close and personal with like everyone on the planet, mm-hmm. every A-lister you could imagine because there weren't, there, there wasn't like a slew of people waiting to talk to them ahead of you. It was like you, you and you alone. Yeah. yeah. That's so wild. And it's also just amazing. I'm really glad we did this because I feel like this is one of those things where people will definitely try to read between the lines here. And also there's really no way of knowing like what the writer's actual impression was, right. where this person is at, what they're like. And it feels sort of huge that Abby's impression truly was like angel, sweetheart, so funny, like talking to a great girlfriend. Yeah, and I think that we cannot like overstate how viral this profile was at the time. Yeah, Like the quotes that she got or the revelations that occurred within her writing were insane like the Channing Tatum component Mm -hmm. of her fully putting that man on then the fact that she had like this psychological break after seeing herself and she's the man dressed as a boy like these were huge things that no one knew or could have a clue about no details on their retirement at 24 the tweets she really clearly feels so bad about that period of her life and doesn't want 
to be remembered that way. Yeah. Which I think, I, I hope that we can extend that grace to Amanda Bynes because we've extended it to so many people. I mean, look at Drew Barrymore. But the thing about Drew is that she was so, so young. I mean, yeah. Drew took like a six-year hiatus from the age of literally like 11 yeah. to 18, 17. So I I have no idea what's in the cards, but it's crazy to see these women of this period. You think of the Olsen twins, you think of Amanda, you think of Lindsay, Brittany, and just like how brutally they were treated by us and totally commodified as literal young women, I can't even fathom. Like, I can't fathom. No. Sometimes, because we're in LA, and this is a really gross thing to admit, but sometimes when I'm going to see any things, I imagine there being paparazzi, and I imagine how I would navigate that situation. Because I don't, I don't famously, I don't love a candid photo. No. And like, how would I actually walk through a crowd of paparazzi? There was no control over their own image. They just had absolutely no control. And what was so exciting about Amanda as a young person was that she did seem to have a sense of autonomy that the other girls didn't. And she was a good girl. She wasn't doing anything crazy. She was someone that we could kind of relate to. She seems like an everyman a little bit. Yeah. There was no one pulling the strings. Right. It felt like. Yes. And controlling her image or making her this like little, little barbie for the world to take in right no insidious record label no problematic momager it just seems like amanda Bynes was just truly in control of her own destiny and it's like yeah and so it was heartbreaking to see what happened and what is continuing to happen i think you told me that she's in rehab right now or in a facility i think in a in a mental health facility and has been sort of there on and off for the past year and the last one that she checked into was in orange county sort of in a way to get like out of the spotlight but you know as sort of abby said really poignantly mental health substance use it's not linear right and it often takes years to figure out exactly you know how you navigate those waters what it looks like and getting well is just like really on a spectrum so i feel like for all of it all we can do is just like send her the most positive thoughts yeah because, I mean, she's brilliant. She's brilliant. And a tough reality of this industry is that, like, if a male star was to go off the rails mid-20s and then come back late 30s, well, he's allowed to age. We welcome him back yep. with open arms. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. And our nostalgia of, like, oh, she doesn't look like she did when she was 15. Right. And it's right, like, right. look in the mirror. Do you look like you did when you were 15? <laughs> yes. Exactly For many right. of us, it's like, thank God. But, oh, listen. Yeah. For me, it's like, burn those pictures, baby. Yeah. <laughs> But no, I mean, she was the hottest teenager that was ever alive. Big fat liar. Yeah. Era. Unbelievable. Oh my God. Crazy. I know. But I have, what a great time. This what a great been. time. I know. So, so interesting. It's such an interesting era. There's something about 2018, 2017, 2018. I mean, this was me too. This was Trump. Like there was mm-hmm. just a lot happening in the ether. It felt really pivotal in the sense of where we're going now, mm-hmm. where we are now and where we're headed. Yeah. Everyone was just obsessed with the internet. Dude, obsessed with the internet. Obsessed with it. I mean, the title of this piece is Break the Internet. Yeah. Like, that was the whole mantra of paper. That was our mandate to break mm-hmm. the internet. Mm-hmm. Well. Abby did. And more power to it. Like, I know. She fought for this kind of space editorially. And she won. And then she proved great writing has the capacity to change the culture. And yeah. it did. So. Hats off. I hope to live to see Amanda Bynes come back. Me too. I mean, if Lindsay can do it in a cute holiday movie, Amanda can do it too. What are you doing tonight? What am I doing tonight? I don't know. 
All right. I don't know. I haven't decided. What about you? I'm going to a Shabbat. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. yeah. It will be my first Shabbat. Oh, my God. Yeah. And we hope you had a beautiful Thanksgiving, yeah. everybody. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, the Gather on the table. Weekend. Yeah. All the, all the trimmings and the fixings. Am yeah. I right? Yeah. Yeah. Big time. We love you, Agos. This is our weekly reminder. Tell three friends. Text yeah. the episode to three. You have three friends. Three friends that like Amanda Bynes. Oh, You've you know. You, like oh, Amanda you Bynes. have 10 friends that like Amanda Bynes. Text the episode, say, must listen. Mm-hmm. And then, I don't know, give us a little rating. Yeah. Maybe write a review if you're feeling a little bit cheeky. That'd be wonderful. We've got some real, like, copywriters in our reviews. I know. Like, we have some real Stunning. Shakespearean poets yeah. in our reviews just beautifully crafted prose mm-hmm. big time Th- thank you so much oh my we're so grateful we're so unbelievably grateful. grateful yeah we we do it all for you and for ourselves because it's really fucking fun yeah it is but we love you and we'll see you next week bye yuggos uncover girl is lovingly crafted by beatrice hazelhurst and ivana Ryder. If you want to get even deeper under the covers with us, you can subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash uncovergirl or follow us on Instagram at uncovergirlpodcast. Rate Uncovergirl, write us a review and share your favorite episode, Shawn Mendes, Rolling Stone 2018, anyone? And we will be your forever fans. Love you. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.